In the same way, the Apostle Paul paints a picture that allows us to see the beauty of the gospel. When it's painted on the background or the canvas of the sinfulness in our world, the brokenness of what's around us, the gospel shines in a completely different way, perhaps in a way that maybe we don't actually recognize or see it as much as we should. Hey, Compass Point, welcome back to Encountering God, the daily podcast to help you stay rooted and stay curious as you encounter God through the reading of his word. All right, well, here we are in day three of our study in the book of Romans, and I'm glad that you've joined us today, but you have just read through some pretty dark passages, some parts of the Bible that talk about the sinfulness of humanity and the um, and the wrath of God and all of these kinds of you know dark themes. And this is the way that the Apostle Paul chooses to begin the book of Romans. And we have to ask ourselves, why? I mean, what is he getting into here? Well, sometimes I think the context helps us to understand the topic better. The book of Romans is all about the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Chapter 1 helps us know how good that good news truly is. I remember the first time that I actually saw stars. Can you remember that? I mean, I grew up in the city. I've seen stars all my life. But what I mean is when I actually saw stars, it was a whole different experience. I remember I was camping with uh, some people and we were outside and it was a cloudless night and the stars were out and I just could not keep my eyes from looking up. It was incredible. I've never seen it before. You know, it's the darkness that we found ourselves in up there, up north, away from all the cities, away from all the lights. It was there that we saw the brilliance of the stars. In the same way, the Apostle Paul paints a picture that allows us to see the beauty of the gospel. When it's painted on the background or the canvas of the sinfulness in our world, the brokenness of what's around us, the gospel shines in a completely different way, perhaps in a way that maybe we don't actually recognize or see it as much as we should. If you think about this, that what's described in chapter 1 of Romans actually describes a reality that we understand. We know that things are broken. We know that people's hearts are so full of pride and of selfishness that we just want to do our own thing. I love how Tim Keller puts it in his book that he wrote on the book of Romans. He said, in many ways, we're plagiarists. We take what God has made and we pass it off as our own. What's happening is that we don't acknowledge our dependence on the Creator, but we claim to be entirely independent. I mean, that kind of sounds good, right? And it sounds accurate. We see it all around us, but we also see it in ourselves. You know, Tim Keller goes on to point out that we all worship something. You know, we have this thing. Something has to capture our imagination and our allegiance. We have to live for something. We have to have something that's the resting place of our deepest hopes in which we look to claim our deepest fears, Tim Keller says. Whatever that thing is, we worship it, and so we serve it. It becomes our bottom line, the thing in this world that we cannot live without, defining and validating everything we do. What is that for you? You'll notice in verse 18 that the Apostle Paul uses two words to describe the wickedness or the brokenness. He, he says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and the wickedness of those who suppress the truth. So there's wickedness and there's godlessness. Godlessness is a disregard of the vertical relationship that we should have with God. 
Wickedness is a disregard of the horizontal relationships that we have with each other. This describes something that we sometimes call total depravity, which is the position that we have before God. There is nothing that we can do to gain God's favor or to be righteous. It needs to be something that's given to us. And really, that's the thesis of this book. And we see this in in verses 16. We looked at this yesterday, verse 16 and 17. We have this idea that our grace is actually something that's received. And then what Paul goes on to describe is this is exactly why it needs to be received. It's not something that we can get on our own. So what do we do with a passage like this? You know, one of the things that I think is that we can see ourselves in Romans chapter 1 in all kinds of ways. If we actually look, it it draws out our self-righteousness. It draws out our pride. It reminds us that we all are in need of a Savior. And it reminds me we can be trapped worshiping the wrong things. And so the question I want you to consider today is, what is it that you worship? What has your attention? What has your focus? What is the thing that you live for? It's easy for us to say, oh yeah, that's, that's God. For me, I mean, I live for God. If you're a follower of Jesus, perhaps that would be the first thing that comes to your mind. But is it true? What does it look like? Take a moment at some point today and write down those things that you can't live without. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's money, security. There's all kinds of things that can have our attention. And then consider where God fits into your life. What does it look like to worship him first? Well, that's all we have time for today. Uh, Thanks again for tuning in. We'll check in with you tomorrow as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Romans.